Good afternoon and happy Monday to you. Thank you so much for being with us. We are starting the show today talking more about the housing announcement made a little bit earlier. Yes, another day, another announcement. This time, the Premier saying it is time to make the housing permitting process more streamlined and simpler and that in doing so, more homes will be built and it will happen much faster. Premier David Eby on hand for that announcement today saying there will be a new streamlined process for permitting and it will be a kind of one-stop shop approach and that would eliminate the need for multiple applications and a whole lot of paperwork. Well, joining us now to talk a bit more about this is Ron Rapp, CEO of the Home Builders Association of Vancouver. Ron, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thank you very much, Jill. Uh, what is your response to this announcement, to this idea of streamlining and having this kind of one-stop shop approach? Well, it's actually extremely welcome. It's something that uh, we've been advocating for for a number of years, even going back uh, pre-COVID. Uh, provincial approvals for certain aspects of, uh, of development permitting uh, have started to escalate to the point where it's becoming uh, significantly uh, an inhibiting factor in being able to bring forward um, applications in a timely manner. Uh, to give you an example, uh, we have seen members who have had applications that would normally go through a, uh, a approval process through the Ministry of Water, Land and Resource Stewardship, or what used to be called SLINRO, and uh, that uh, went from an average uh, throughput of about 120 days, uh, and a few years ago all of a sudden ballooned into over 400 days. And these are applications that would normally run concurrently with the municipal process, and so that you know, all things being equal. Uh, you would probably get to the end of the, uh, of the uh, municipal approval process with your provincial approvals in hand, and that's not being the case. So we've seen uh, delays that ranged anywhere from, uh, you know, a few weeks to many months, even upwards over a year, uh, depending on which element of, or which ministry you might be dealing with at the province. And these approvals uh, cover such things as um, repairing area approvals, uh, water act, and water streams, or water courses, rather, uh, things to do with any kind of interface with the Ministry of Transportation, and, of course, environmental assessments and analyses. Uh, you mentioned as well that this is kind of the provincial approval process and at the same time having the municipal process as well. Do, do you think this will streamline that? Because I know if you look at different places, depending on, on where you're building or hoping to build in Metro Vancouver, uh, the, depending on which council you're dealing with, that can have a big impact as well. Uh, yes, that's true. But uh, the, as I said, the provincial approvals usually ran concurrently with, uh, with municipal approvals. And it's just the layering on an additional um, uh, element of complexity uh, in order to be able to get a, any given project to the finish line. So while it won't necessarily influence any um, uh, municipal processes uh, directly, it will certainly help in being able to get a shorter timeline uh, when working collaboratively with the efforts that are being applied in various municipalities now in order to uh, augment their own streamlining efforts. Uh, the prime, uh, not prime, sorry, the premier uh, said as well that indigenous-led projects, as well as multi-unit buildings, will be given the highest priority moving forward with this uh, streamlining. Uh, do you think that will have a big impact? 
I'm sure it will. Uh, anything we can do to shorten the approvals timeline is going to help in terms of being able to deliver products and supply into the marketplace, as well as being able to mitigate costs, especially in today's environment of higher financing costs. If you are carrying a particular piece of land or the process for a longer period of time, it's obviously going to add to, to the cost of that project, which gets translated to the bottom line. So being able to expedite uh, some of the uh, First Nations initiatives as well as uh, non-profit and affordable housing initiatives and uh, 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 projects in general is uh, going to go a long way to uh, uh, try and expedite that supply equation. All right. Ron, thank you so much for joining us. It was great to chat with you about this today. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, thank you very much. And yeah, as an industry, we're really looking forward and I really welcome some of the initiatives that we're seeing coming out, coming out of the province over the last little while. We have a bit of a theme going here uh, for the first hour of the show. We were talking about shoplifting and the increase, uh, particularly in grocery store theft. Uh, We'll find out what you've been saying about that on the buzz line and talk a bit more about theft later on in the show. But right now we are taking a look at one neighborhood that has certainly seen more than its fair share of crime, of vandalism and graffiti. And because of that, Chinatown in Vancouver is getting a funding boost to help address some of those issues. So what will the $710,000 do as far as dealing with this? Jordan Eng joins us now, president of the Vancouver Chinatown Business Improvement Association. Jordan, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, thank you for having me uh, on, on, on air today. Well, this is something we've talked about in the past and some of the ongoing issues, uh, the crime, the graffiti that we've seen in Chinatown. What do you think this funding will best be used for? Well, I, I think, um, you know, the big issues that we've been talking about has definitely been the graffiti, uh, the, the, the cleanliness issue, and uh, uh, small small uh, criminal activity in, in the neighborhood. And uh, the funding is definitely uh, towards that. The city is going to put an office in Chinatown. It uh, was part of their election promise. And, uh, you know, it's a good news story for us to start the year. I think um, we've been all looking forward to support from the from the city right from the top so are there specific areas though it seems like and and it's not a a small amount of money talking about seven hundred thousand dollars but is there an area where you think it should go first well yeah we i mean we're uh there's going to be increased uh cleaning of the sidewalks the back lanes uh, and that will be done through engineering uh the city uh through the bia we will enhance our uh, graffiti cleanup and uh uh, it really became a problem, during, especially during the pandemic, when uh, uh, we saw, you know, it was almost a, kind of a culture that was okay to, to uh, tag Chinatown, and, and we hope to reverse that and, and make sure that uh, we're working not only on, on the street fronts, but the lanes and the upper part of the buildings that are, you know, are historic uh, uh, buildings that have been around for 100 years and, and really tell the story of, the, of, of uh, Chinatown's past, so. Have things changed then as well as far as I know when we talked about this in the past with a lot of neighborhoods everywhere really with the, with the pandemic and people working from home and not going out as much. We saw some areas that really did become ghost towns and I know Chinatown had that uh, that challenge as well. Is it becoming back or is it is it getting back to being more vibrant? You know, I, I think uh, right from, from the, the election we, we had this 
this feeling that uh, Chinatown was coming back. I mean, there, uh, it was there was hope when there was recognition by the, the mayoral candidates uh, that you know Chinatown was suffering and uh, it needed help. Uh, we didn't get that from the from the previous mayor, and uh, uh, you know there was commitment from you know the, the other uh, mayoral candidates, and and uh, this is the the first part of the promise being fulfilled by. Uh, 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 Mayor Sims and and, uh, and City Council and the ABC Council. So, and you mentioned the uh, the satellite city office in Chinatown, and that's certainly as part of the uh, the report, the uplifting Chinatown action plan, which is the report coming to council tomorrow. Uh, one of the discussion pieces is the the information on potential satellite city office space in Chinatown. How big of a difference do you think that would make, or how important is it that there is that satellite office? Well, I think it's important. It's, it will service Chinatown, but also the downtown east side. I mean, we see this every day, and 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 uh, the issues of of uh, and perception of safety in, in Chinatown and, and the downtown east side. But you don't really know it until you're 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 right in in the thick of things, and and that's important for the city to have an office in Chinatown because of that. The other thing is with the the new services. I mean. The the whole budget that's being presented to council is two point one million, of which seven hundred is to to Chinatown. But um, you know, having someone from engineering, having someone uh, make sure that uh, whoever's doing the work is accountable, I think that is a big uh, and important point. Is if you're going to spend that money, this is all taxpayers' money. Uh, there is accountability that the work is being done properly. So um, having an office with someone sitting there. Uh, will definitely uh, will help. So, and we know that certainly this neighborhood has faced ongoing targeting when it's uh, whether we're talking about graffiti, property crime. Uh, there's also been a, a lot, a big increase, unfortunately, in in anti Asian hate as well. Do you think that's why this neighborhood or why Chinatown is kind of being singled out as far as the need for this funding? Because because I know there are other neighborhoods as well that would say, well, hold on a second, uh, we need uh, help cleaning up we need help with this as well but but is it that kind of all of those things combined that that shows really the need in chinatown yeah you know most definitely uh, you know we spend half of our budget in uh, security and and that's what our members have asked for uh you know i talked to my colleagues in other parts of the cities and 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 they're spending their time talking about uh the type of flower plots they want uh and the color of their banners uh we have this issue just uh in, because of the proximity to, uh, in downtown Eastside, and we had the, the encampment for the last year. We had uh, the Oppenheimer and the Strathcona encampments, and those definitely have had uh, negative effects on um, uh, the, the neighborhood. So uh, we were really the, the canary in, in the mine um, and buffer to the, the broader uh, city for, for this type of issue, which has now become mainstream. And when you talk about the businesses as well, how are things going as far as, and in other parts of the city as, as well, we see boarded up windows, we see some businesses that have closed down. How are things as far as businesses being able to stay open and being able to succeed? Well, you know, I mean, as business people, we always see the glasses uh, half full. So, you know, we all try to be optimistic. I think um, with the mayor and with the, the new premier, there is a, finally a recognition that that uh, these petty crimes is a mainstream issue. It's not just Chinatown. Uh, the repeat offenders, um, you know, something needs to be done. And, uh, you know, we're hoping with the new officers that the uh, the mayor has uh, promised 
that we'll see better enforcement. Uh, we'll see uh, accountability to those that are doing crime. And uh, as a city, as a whole, we'll, we'll all benefit from it. So. And what do you see then as far as the future of the area as well? In that I know there's also been kind of friction in keeping Chinatown as this very historic and unique neighborhood that, that has such a rich history, but also the changes that are coming with, with new uh, developments, with new housing developments, and, and really the changing face of, of the community. How do you see those two kind of working together? Well, you know, the BIA has always been supportive of housing that uh, brings people into the neighborhood. You know, we're one of the few BIAs that doesn't have a population within itself that that uh, can draw from consumers. So, you know, we've we've always been uh, po- positive towards having people living upstairs and 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 being able to go to the restaurants and the stores down below. So, um, you know, I think the you know Chinatown, the heydays of the '80s, is going to be different from what we see in the future and Chinatown has evolved over the last hundred years. You know, um, the purpose for Chinatown a hundred years is is a little different from today, but we've got great businesses coming in. We've got some of the top restaurants in the city. We've got the top bars. We've got new gift shops. I I think people remember the gift shops in Chinatown uh, and, and how uh, tourists would go to Chinatown to shop and, and, and see the neat things that you don't see in other parts of the city. And, and we're seeing that come back to Chinatown. So, you know, we're, we're optimistic if we can get things cleaned up that uh, we'll, we'll be getting attracting more businesses to the neighborhood. Is it a challenge to get the message out to people, whether it's tourists or people who might just be looking for a new restaurant or aren't aware of, of some of the businesses that you just mentioned? Is there a challenge to, to make sure the message is out there that it is safe? You know, I think, um, you know, Chinatown has always been kind of in, in the... Uh, I guess, would you say, the grittier area of the city. So, um, you know, in general, Chinatown is safe. Uh, we have, you know, the issues that we, in particular were the, with our seniors that were uh, that are in, in the community uh, is the perception of safety. And um, and hopefully that, uh, you know, with what the mayor is doing with the increased police and, and the, uh, uh, the premier with uh, attacking repeat offenders that, uh, you know, things will improve. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you so much for talking to us more about this today. I so much appreciate your time. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me on the show. We were talking earlier about theft and Sylvain Charlebois with Dalhousie University. He was speaking earlier today as well about an op-ed he wrote about a perceived increase when it comes to theft of food in grocery stores and talking about the higher prices and seeing more and more of that. And he talked a little bit about the response he got. He was surprised. Some people trying to justify it, saying, well, the prices are so high. Some people don't have another option. Seems like that's not really something to be justified, but it got us thinking about theft and shoplifting in general and the toll that takes on business. Well, Annie Dormuth is joining us now. Annie Dormuth is the Provincial Affairs Director with the the CFIB, uh, BC and Alberta branch. And Annie, thank you so much for being with us. 
Of course, always great to be on the show, Jill. I don't know if you keep hard numbers or if it's more kind of talking to members of the CFIB and getting their take on it, but have we seen an increase not only in grocery stores, but in shoplifting in general? Well, yeah, exactly to your point. We, we don't have a hard number that we can definitely put on it. Um, that also comes down to the fact that it, it's hard to, you know, you know, get that exact number simply because a lot of crime goes unreported by business owners as well. Um, but anecdotally, what we are hearing is that, yeah, there there is definitely a greater concern amongst Canadian businesses right now about crime and crime in their workplace. Um, shoplifting, you know, is definitely being felt more, especially as especially since we're coming out of these uh, these business restrictions uh, because of the pandemic and more people are returning to in-store shopping. And is it something I would imagine that businesses have always dealt with? Do do businesses kind of factor in a certain percentage, unfortunately, that they know they're going to lose out to shoplifting? Well, it really does depend on the business, um, where that business is located, as well as, you know, what type of goods um, the business is selling. So hard, hard to pinpoint, you know, whether or not businesses do factor it in. Um, but again, yeah, what we are seeing is, is growing concerns um, that it is definitely increasing or, or even the severity or, you know, I would have to say um, more prominence uh, in the workplace is definitely being felt and seen by business owners. And does it surprise you at all then, even if it's anecdotal at this point, that we're seeing an increase when it comes to groceries? Well, definitely everyone's, you know, feeling affordability pressures right now. Business owners are being felt it. Uh, you know, uh, everyone is. Everyday families um, are also feeling it right now. So, I mean, we are in this situation where uh, the cost of living, inflation is all causing stress on Canadians as well as business owners. So it, it is definitely not surprising that it is. Uh, we are seeing more or hearing more about it uh, in the media and even amongst our members um, during these really, I would have to say, um, difficult times with regards to affordability and inflation. Uh, are there things that business owners do or can do to try and combat this, like uh, security cameras or, or security officers or, or things that you're seeing your members take part in? Well, um, one of the other things we are hearing from business owners um, that, that is, is kind of goes back to the shortage of labor problem, I would have to say, is that um, more and more cases of, of these types of thefts are happening simply because there are not enough people um, in and around their, their business um, to either, you know, act as a security person or, or you know, um, be around kind of on the floor monitoring things. Um, fear people or staff on the floor definitely does make shoplifters feel less more, a little less intimidated to go in and perhaps take something. So definitely, um, shortage labor is, I would have to say, probably causing some of some more of this increase as well as, you know, to combat it as well. There's also a shortage of labor issue. Um, so yeah, um, definitely businesses have looked into hiring security guards as well as um, introducing those monitoring technology or even kind of going more uh, paperless in a way such as uh, having those self-catch, self-checkout services as well. Um, these are the types of investments um, that business owners have and uh, probably more looking into nowadays.
I remember we were talking about this a while ago and it was a, a business in Vancouver, uh, an e-bike business, and they finally just had to start locking the door because people were mm-hmm. walking into the store and stealing on such a regular basis. And and so they had to lock the door. So any legitimate customer, you would buzz and they would let you in. But I would imagine too, that's not what a lot of businesses, I mean, part of being a business is being uh, having people come in off the street and customers, whether it's somebody who's coming there uh, as a destination or maybe they're just walking by. I would imagine that's not what a lot of businesses want to, to have to do is lock the door and then let people in on a one by one basis. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. And, and it's very sad to hear those types of instances where business owners are resorting to having to do basically capacity reductions in order to combat this. Um, so, yeah, th- those cases are definitely very troubling and, and sad to hear because, I mean, you, you talk to any small business owner and they're, they're the, perhaps some of the most welcoming uh, businesses to have people in, in, there, in there and they want them to come in and shop, um, especially after these last couple of years of having those restrictions in place and people feeling less comfortable to go out and about. So, yeah, definitely very sad to hear those types of cases um, happening for small businesses. I would imagine it's also, like you said, with the labor shortage as well, also a safety issue in that we've seen, unfortunately, and just as we were talking about this earlier today, a news release came out from the Vancouver Police Department. They're looking for somebody who didn't show up for a court date after being charged with assault Mm -hmm. when a woman tried to stop uh, what was uh, appeared to be a shoplifting unfolding at a convenience store. Uh, So I would think, too, with the labor shortage, if somebody's alone on the floor or there's only one person or two people in a business, you don't know what you're dealing with, even if you do step in and perhaps try and stop a a shoplifting. Well, that's exactly the case. And I mean, this issue, I mean, it it goes beyond, (laughs) it touches on so many different facets, governments, um, federally, provincially, municipally as well. They all have a role in there. And I mean, these issues are incredibly complex and there's definitely not one solution uh, to be had here on, on combating it. So yeah, um, you know, the, the, the top concern for a business owner is definitely ensuring that their staff and their customers feel safe uh, coming to work and coming into their business. Um, now, unfortunately, for, for some business owners, I mean, they've had these, these instances where, the, where their staff and customers don't simply see, don't feel safe. As, and, and that really does um, further combat, I would have to say, their, their ongoing economic challenges. Um, so, yeah, definitely always, always troubling to hear those types of cases. Um, and again, I, I wish there was an easy solution to it, um, but unfortunately, there, there simply isn't. And I think, too, uh, something we touched on and, and why we wanted to talk more about this today was the response that uh, Sylvain Charlebois, who's uh, with Dalhousie, with the analytics, with the Food Lab, when he did an op-ed piece about what appeared to be an increase in shoplifting at grocery stores, people walking in and, and taking food. Mm-hmm. The response was a lot of people saying, trying to justify it, saying, oh, well, the prices are so high and if businesses don't want this to happen, they shouldn't be charging so much. Does it surprise you that that here we're seeing a a certain group kind of justifying shoplifting and stealing from business owners? Well, definitely, again, I would have to say that is surprising, but I think it just goes back to, you know, the, the challenges that all Canadians are facing right now businesses and, and, and individuals that it's, it's quite it's quite sad to hear these cases where people are resorting to to basically crime in order to um, in order to basically live their lives um, you know 2023 is, is going to be I would have to say uh, another economically challenging year 
uh, business owners themselves um, in BC um, don't have a whole lot of optimism, both on the short term and the long term outlook in the economy. So um, I guess, uh, you know, we're, we're all governments at all levels, I think, are going to have to seriously look um, at some of these uh, some of these questions and issues. And what would is that what is needed then or what else would you like to see or what's needed to kind of turn that around? If you're, if you're saying 2023 business owners are anticipating it's, it's going to be a challenging year, what, what could be done to perhaps alleviate that? Well, definitely. I mean, our message uh, continues to be from all levels of government, um, municipally, provincially and federally, is to ensure that uh, business owners are not further hampered by cost increases. Um, that has been our top message to government. Um, it's also important to recognize that um, the BC government's also in a in a little bit of a healthier surplus position. Uh, I'm sure we'll wait to hear more at the end of February when the budget comes out. But a lot of our members would also like to see the province themselves um, help um, with a lot of these municipal issues um, in terms of affordable afford- affordable housing, um, crime, crime prevention. Um, even helping business owners who are who have revenue losses because of some some crime, um, all of that they're also looking for kind of a joint uh, municipal provincial effort to help combat. All right, Annie Dormuth, always great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, always great to talk to you, Jill.